0: Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money.
1: Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show enormously. Uh, Oops. Just changed my microphone position. Uh, That'll happen, (laughs) of course. Let's see where I go on this. It feels a little bit low. Ah, there we go. That's better. So um let's see, end of the year. Last day to call the show. Last day of the show is on the air, FYI, live, but then tomorrow I'm doing some Money 101's, uh, some investing university kind of things. So if you haven't heard those, it's a good time to pick up on these. And uh, get a little education on, you know, a lot of the basics that go on out there on Wall Street. Uh, let's talk about some of the basics. What a year, you know. I think you start right there. and acknowledge that. And in the next couple of days, I'm guessing there's going to be some hangovers, right? Is that fair to say? Uh, Obama's going to be drinking on New Year's Eve? I've
3: been living it.
1: Yeah, I guess I would, too, if I was the President of the United States, POTUS. You know, a lot of it took me to figure out what POTUS meant. Longer than you might know. But uh, markets are a little bit lower today. So, And that makes me think, hangover, right? We've been partying all year long. Markets haven't had a four-day sell-off all year long. You know, even when we have a bad week, you know, it still has a little bit of a, a bite on the upside, it looked like the stock market was still on vacation yesterday. Volume was very, very low, low average. Very tight trading range. No corporate news, none, zilch, nada. That didn't stop the S&P 500 from eking out another record closing high. What was gained on Monday though, looks as if it will be returned at the start of today's session, um, so we started a little bit lower. There's concerns about some political turmoil in Greece. The continued drop in oil prices has been cited for negative disposition. Why? Because that fits the bill of having negative connotations that seemingly match a negative stock market that seemingly should be reflecting some negativity tied towards world markets. So today, Greece is in the news and falling oil prices in the news today Maybe we end up down, maybe we we go higher at the end. Yesterday, we barely went higher, but we went higher. I heard something this morning, like 53 market records this year, record highs. So, for those of you who want to, you know, play games in the stock market, it's fine. I want to be in the stock markets. So, the stock market has come a long way in a very short amount of time. So, there's some profit-taking headline risk out there for sure. Profits have doubled since 2004 in the SP 500. If corporations keep pushing profits higher, the stock market will keep pushing higher. The Russian ETF, it's a Market Vectors ETF called RSX, dropped 8.8% yesterday. The stock market went quietly about its business. Russia seemingly, you know, fell by the wayside in the initial ruble defense. They're starting to dwindle down some of their foreign exchange reserves. I've seen those basically cut in half. Uh, in the last two or three months, so they're sp- trying to spend their reserves to prop up their economy. What happens when they run out of that? When do they start defaulting? Will, de- Will Russia default in 2015 or not? Won't be the first time. So, small cap company called Civio, C-V-E-O. They provide workforce accommodations in Can- the Canadian oil sands area. So, you know, you go out, you mount up a, a, a rig, You put a drill in, out comes the oil. Oil, I tell you. It's like a milkshake. So, Cidio, who does housing for those people who get oil out of the grounds, whether it's the ocean or the, uh, the Canadian oil sands area, they've suspended their dividend. And again, it's kind of a real estate investment trust. Um... Plus, they're curtailing their 2015 CapEx budget by 70% from estimated 2014 levels. Tempering its 2015 outlook in a big way, due largely falling oil prices. There's too much supply in the market of oil and not enough demand. Demand comes back slowly. Supply is an issue that you can cut it, but sometimes you don't want to cut it because you have hedges on, so you're still making money. So you're still supplying the market because you want that cash flow from the hedge. But that's why oil is not going to come roaring back. We've seen a couple things that look very positive or constructive is probably a better way of saying it. But nothing that, you know, should get you up and on your feet dancing, which for the record, I don't do. So, who are these people who dance? This is not I. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Gold had a little bit of a spike this morning. I think that's worthy of noting. Um, we're starting to get to some rationalizations that, you know, America's still got some issues. And if we aren't able to raise our interest rates in 2015, will we have to do another round of quantitative easing. Um, it's a big question. S p and p down 7, the Dow's down 56, the NASDAQ down 18. Gold is up 2%, which is, to you and me, it's not a spike, but it's a spike. Gold. Um, you know, you see oil down not even nine-tenths of one percent. You just see it, you know, just teeny tiny amounts, right? So, um, uh, yesterday crude oil played around in a five percent range. It's pretty volatile. That's not the norm. That is not typical. Apple won Christmas with 51% of new device activations. Millions of people woke up and unwrapped a shiny new device that was left under the Christmas tree by Santa. Uh, when you take a look at the device activations to understand what types of device consumers are exchanging for the holidays, uh, which type of apps they're, you know, filling them with. Christmas Day has been seeing the highest number of new device activations and app installs each year. 2014, no change in that. So it's pretty clear that Santa is no longer into cookies. He prefers apples. Thank you. You missed the first Santa, just so you know. Are you going to get that one? So, it was a banner Christmas for the Apple company that started the mobile revolution uh, back in 2007. Wow, it's only been seven years. Think about that for Uno Momentero. Um Seven years after the fact that, you know, they started the uh, iPhone, smartphone, mobile market, they've for 51% of new device activations. That's not too shabby. Samsung comes in number two with 18% of new device activations and Microsoft. Uh, Nokia runs it out with 5.8%, mostly tied towards Lumia devices. Can you imagine being a teenage kid right now and your mom and dad for Christmas? Or Santa got you a, a cell phone but it wasn't an Apple? You'd be bummed. You'd be bummed. That's all I have to say about that. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy today. Uh, I'm here live. Drop an email to the show, rob at robblackshow.com, or call the show, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Wealth management and retirement planning event coming up in the middle of January, January fifteenth. So it's coming up very very soon. It's gonna be a workshop for people who are approaching retirement and wealth preservation needs. You want to make sure you don't run out of that money. Going to be talking about diversification, planning tips, low interest rate environment, and much much more. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing more. Sign up for that event at robblack.com.
0: No. I'm like
3: a radio, pumping like a disco sound. I can see a boom in the blue and I'm so through the rain. And we were bound to the city light, flashlights the fall, and falling to that night. From the storm, what's your fear? Just when you're calling, I'll bust that. Hi, 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 hi.
1: I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Money investing in more. Twelve no, no, not twelve. I'm dyslexic all of a sudden. Twenty-one states are gonna raise minimum wage this week, putting it above the federal pay floor in more than half the United States. The increases will lift the hourly wages of two point four million workers by up to a dollar to an average of eight dollars, a high of nine fifteen. Federal hourly minimum is at seven and a quarter. That means probably more money into the economy. So more spending, right? Just throwing it out there for you. BP, the big oil giant, has begun producing oil from a new central North Sea field, expected to produce more than 50,000 barrels a day. Liberty Interactive and Liberty Media have signed Chief Executive Greg Maffe. To a new management agreement that will keep him through the job uh, through 2019. Petrobras, the Brazilian state-run oil company said its ongoing corruption probe may implicate its employee pension fund. Uh, Petrobras has also frozen payments to contractors allegedly involved in a kickback scheme. Let's talk a little real estate with Tony Mendez. Joining us today, Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's my personal mortgage lender. He's done a couple refis for me, a couple purchases as well. Um, on top of that, he could do home equity lines of credit, and he's a mortgage lender. Tony, let's talk about arms. And I'm not talking about the things with fingers at the end. I'm talking about adjustable rate mortgages. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a lot of people into trouble because they were buying too much house in the 2000s, and they were using adjustable rate mortgages to get the lowest right. possible mortgage rate. So they kind of have a bad name. They yeah, still have that name.
3: Uh, unfortunately, the bad loan the NEGAM loan or negative amortization loan was tied to ARMS. Okay. And that's why ARMS got a bad rap. ARMS have a great use in the in the market, primarily because they have a shorter or a lower interest rate than a 30-year fixed. And you can almost conform that to the time frame that you're going to stay in the property. Uh, a, a lot of investors use them as well because it can improve their cash flow. So there's a great use for ARMS, but it's not for everybody. Uh, we did get that bad rap over the last few years, uh, starting in 2007 you know, kind of 2008, and it scared a lot of people away. We Arm usage in the Bay Area dropped below 5%. Okay. Historically in the Bay Area, it's as high as 40%. Right now, we're sitting about 19%. So it is creeping back up, um, and we're also seeing rates rising on the 30-year fix. So people are going to start gravitating towards the arm. Um, but before you do, make sure it fits what you need. Now what's that yeah, mean? It, it means it, it. Is it going to fit your timeline? Are okay. you aware of the risks involved? Do you even know how an ARM works? Uh, do you know what the index is? Do you know what the margin is? Okay, let's well, slow, Yeah. So okay. there's all so many let's things. Start that the, people, let's
1: start with the time. Adjustable rate mortgage
3: comes in terms: three, three years, one five year, years, three year, seven. five year, seven year, ten year terms. Okay. Um, and based on what's going on in the bond market and the treasuries, we'll determine whether or not the five year might be priced better than seven. But no matter what. It's got to fit your time frame because if you stay in your house longer than that fixed term, you're going to risk that rate becoming what they call fully adjustable. And it'll adjust to the index that the arm is tied to or the rate is tied to, which is the margin and the index combined together. So you could be tied to an index that's fluctuating dramatically by the time you become adjustable and your rate uh, increase significantly, which would raise your, your, your mortgage payment goes up.
1: So if you're a Facebook engineer, if you're a engineer and, like, you're 20-something, there's a good chance, like, you may want to go to New York in 10 years. You may, Like, an arm might be appropriate if you right. think you're going to be kind of a traveling cowboy right. and take your business elsewhere.
3: Yeah, and, and for those people who are going, oh, arms, arm. we're not promoting arms, we're promoting arms as a... Um, as an alternative to the 30-year fix to help you save money. Yep. We've run scenarios, and I know that you know this person personally, where they save $25,000 over a five-year period because they decided to take an arm instead, and they were getting a large inheritance where they are going to pay off the house and and stay in the house. So there are other scenarios in which case this will use, um, it, 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 the best use. But, yeah, for the example of the person that's going to be moving or a person that's young, they, they say, you know, this is my starter home, I'm going to sell it build some equity, why would you get a 30-year fixed at a rate that's 1% higher? You're, you're paying on a $400,000 loan, that's that's almost $3,000 a year more. Why would you pay $3,000 a year more when you know you're going to be selling your house before this loan becomes uh, adjustable? So the easiest example of this is 30-somethings who are just getting married
1: before they have kids. They should probably get a seven-year arm if they think as a couple we're trying to have kids, we're actively going to make babies. Um, and we're going to need a bigger home down the road. We're going to have to sell this home. An arm, seven-year arm
3: is yeah. perfect for them. Yeah, and and again, it, it's difficult to hear actually hear you saying this because you've been pretty conservative as far as what you advise people to do or, or suggest people to do. 30-year fixed was great when it was at 3.5%. It's great when it's 4%. It's great when it's 45 But as rates go up, you're just going to start seeing the arms are the only way that you can get a rate that's uh, uh, and payment that's going to be manageable. How much, we lower, how much lower can someone
1: pay? I know a 15-year mortgage is a lower rate than a 30-year mortgage. Right. Because the bank's going to get their money sooner. Right. Is the basic idea. And they can t- track it to the 10-year treasury versus the 30 years, Right. Um, and they don't have to adjust as much for inflation in the way they're getting their money back. We've got about a minute left. How much lower can people expect a 7-year and a 5-year adjustable rate mortgage to be in this current market? About three, three
3: quarters of a percent.
1: Okay, so like a, maybe a 4% would be down to three and a quarter. If a 30-year at 4%, you're talking about
3: an arm being at three it, and a quarter. It depen- also depends on the, the length of the term and, and what's pricing better, and that's something that you just have to sit down with your and look at your credit score, look at the equity and see what works. You have to run the same scenario. It's not always going to work for everybody, but it can work for some people. Um, again, the, the basic rule is when rates are low, you get the, fi- th- the longest fixed term you can, usually 30-year, um, and arms when rates are going up
1: obviously a complex scenario you do need to talk with a mortgage lender you do need to run scenarios if they're not running scenarios for you they should you can find tony at dot com. it's com. and i'm rob black talking all things financial money investing and more there's a new market out there it's going to be tied towards wearable we've heard about wearables i think google glass i think the wristwatch Uh, But there's a new one out category that we're just now starting to look into as far as market size goes. It's called the hearables. Um, There's some interesting information that you can capture through your ear. You can get things like oxygen levels, electrocardiograms, and body temperature. Hearable technology will be a $5 billion market by 2018. That's roughly the same size as the entire wearable industry currently. So this is not, you know, small potatoes. This is not like, oh, sure. And if you think it, you know, we live kind of a synced lifestyle already. So putting a little computer in your ear seems to be logical. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to have a link to fashion, like the wrists, eyes, and feet need to. Um, brands may be overlooking the fact that sound drives the bulk of our technology use, and earbuds are the only piece of wearable tech to gained ubiquity in social acceptance. Uh, The devices are to undergo a revolution in capability, so getting rid of their cables and giving them the opportunity to be the standard bearer for wearable tech, it's going to be something that we watch. Um, Something that I really find kind of vile is you've probably been up late at night and you've heard the commercial for, you have equity in your car? We'll talk about this shortly. I'm on buck. One last time, the one, the only, Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare?
2: Hey, Rob. Hopefully not the last time, just the last time in 2014,
1: right? It's been a good year. I don't
2: want it to end.
1: <laughs> so, crazy how we haven't had a big correction of like four days in a row down. Uh, just it's been too good. Is, is that fair to say too good or has the earnings been there to support it?
2: Well, um, you know, no, the earnings have been there. Um, You know, you're probably going to see the S&P 500 uh, operating earnings, you know, up on the order of close to 10% for the year, uh, which is certainly, you know, uh, pretty solid. Um, But then you layer on top of that, obviously, the very accommodative uh, Fed policy and the uh, continued um, uh, low interest rate environments in terms of Treasury yields, and uh, you know, it ended up being a pretty good mix. For, um for the stock market and so you're seeing um, uh, the fruits of those efforts pay off here as the year comes to close
1: with that said let's start with some of the negatives out there um, China it appears that they are slowing do you think china becomes an issue with slow growth in 2015
2: I think it, it would relate in large part to what um, might transform for its you know financial and you know its real estate sector really and then how that you know, it carries over to the financial sector in China. You know, it's a pretty uh, shadowy system, uh, if you will. So you don't really know um, necessarily, but uh, but bear in mind, um, seeing <clears throat> we've seen the issues with China slow down uh, appear clearly in the commodities markets already. Um, so it's not a, a, a not going to be a complete surprise uh, that you know China continues to slow. Um, it's kind of going to be dependent. Uh, in part on the pace at which it slows, right? So, uh, and it's a little uh, the opposite of here in the U.S., you know, we're looking at um, the economy picking up and, uh, we think that the stock market can handle higher interest rates here, but the, the key issue will be at the pace at which those interest rates go up. Uh, in China, uh, the issue will probably be more at which is more of the pace at which its economy slows. Uh, if it happens pretty rapidly, uh, then you could get some potential dislocations. But right now, it looks to be a pretty well-managed slowdown.
1: <clears throat> Next big concern, and again, worrying about things on Wall Street is always a smart thing, knowing what possibly can go wrong. Uh, European Union, I I haven't seen any data consistently out that says anything other than maybe some slight deflation slash slash no growth. What are you seeing and what do you expect will it have an effect in 2015?
2: Yeah, I'm sorry, Rob, did you say that as it relates to Europe? Yeah,
1: uh, I'm not really seeing much there as far as, you know, the European Union, Greece seems to be problematic, but we've seen that before, and this time the risk seems a little bit more spread out. It, it doesn't seem to me to be a crippling uh, thing for the world and for investing in 2015.
2: Right. Well, and that's due in large part to the markets uh, still believing uh, the ECB, essentially, and its message that it will do whatever it takes to make sure uh, a deflationary um, uh, period you know, doesn't take root and uh so you know there's a competence issue there that's going to be key as you know we look at two thousand and fifteen and so a lot uh people are writing uh on the hope that you know a quantitative easing program will be announced at some point uh, in the early part of two thousand and fifteen by the e c b um you know it may happen, but we we question you know whether it really will ultimately be effective when you consider how low interest rates already are in in europe um you know th- there may be more structural issues at hand there, um, you know, where you need to get, uh, you know, economic uh, conditions improved uh, so that you have higher labor growth, higher productivity growth, uh, you know, stronger loan demand and banks willing to make those loans. Um, So just kind of throwing more liquidity at the financial markets may not necessarily be uh, the, you know, the, the silver bullet that everyone's looking for. Um, It hasn't been for the United States economy. Uh, Things have improved, certainly, uh, but, you know, we can clearly, you know, say that, you know, um, there's still room for for improvement. You know, we're not growing above potential here yet, despite all of the liquidity the Fed has pumped into the system, primarily because, you know, the banks continue to sit on excess reserves and are not, you know, lending that money out um, with a great deal of... um, um, Uh, you know, freedom, and so uh, that's been restrictive for economic growth, uh, and because the banks aren't feeling confident about doing that, in turn, you don't have businesses feeling all that confident yet um, about reinvesting in in new capital to expand um, their productive capabilities, and so so the turnaround's been slow, and so you're likely to continue to see that uh, play out in the Eurozone, particularly as uh, people still fret about the likelihood, not the likelihood, but the possibility anyway, that, you know, the eurozone could slip into a deflationary trap.
1: Speaking with Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com, um, oil seems to have been the story of the year. I could take a look back 12 months ago, and no analyst was saying it was going to be the story of the year. Um, that's the way it kind of goes on a typical basis. Uh, oil hasn't been this low since 2009. And if I remember correctly, 2009, weren't we worried about banks imploding and Europe bank imploding and world growth slowing as banks wouldn't be able to sell uh, loans to people? Are we in a situation where oil is telling us something?
2: You know, I, 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 I think that there's potentially some latent financial risk, if not economic risk, in the crash in oil prices. Um, and I think, you know, what you're saying is, is, is also true. You know, if you look at where we were five years ago and why oil prices were where they are. Well, um, you know, we're not at that point today. Uh, but in any event, when you see a major industrial commodity uh, collapse, you know, 50% over a span of six months, something's going on, you know, um, that just doesn't sit right. Um, You know, the market in June, when oil prices were running, you know, $105, $106, $107 a barrel, uh, the market already knew that there was, you know, an excess supply situation. Um, So, you know, we we have a lot of focus right now on the idea that there's too much supply, which is true, you know. Um, But you just don't see major industrial commodities like that collapse the way they do unless there's something – um, that you know is, is taking place that probably hasn't availed itself yet to the broader market. Um, I think it has probably something to do with the fact that there might have been a lot of leverage in play, riding the idea that um, that oil prices would stay up. You know that perhaps the dollar would not rebound the way that it has. But given that it has, you're seeing you know dollar denominated commodity prices come down, and, and not just in oil. You know but, you know when you look at lumber and cotton. Um, and copper, um, those commodity prices have also come down this year as well. So we're admittedly, you know, concerned by that slump in oil prices. It will certainly be positive for the consumers. We all know that. You're seeing it reflected in lower cash prices. But um, you just have to be conscientious of the idea that something crashing in the way that it has usually has some residual effects <clears throat> that might not always make themselves readily apparent um, as the mass media starts you know focusing on the uh on the collapse and the oil prices so stay tuned on that front
1: okay anything else that you're working on mr o'hare that you want to bring to our listeners attention again i'm speaking with patrick o'hare with briefing.com
2: yeah well i'll be putting together uh, a year-end uh, summary here that'll be posting to, to the big picture column on briefing.com that's that's my focus right now And what is, um, you know, admittedly a fairly slow week this week. Uh, the market is, um, you know, going to do what it does, but there's not a whole lot of participation this time of year. So, just kind of going to wrap things up. It's certainly been a very interesting year. And as you talked about at the top of the interview, a really good year, you know, for the equity market. And um, there's nothing to complain about in terms of uh, the S P 500 going up uh, approximately 13% before dividends. So, um, take what you can get and uh, consider it a good year for investors.
1: Do you find it interesting? I saw a statistic today that IPOs for restaurants have done better than IPOs for tech companies. Um, and to me, that just comes down to investors are seeing millennials. They want to eat burgers. They just don't want to eat McDonald's burgers. Is there any story there that restaurants, burger restaurants are beating um, tech IPOs?
2: Oh gosh, I haven't I haven't really thought about it that closely. I guess when I hear that gotcha. you know every, these millennials are eating out so much, and know in the same the second breath we hear how none of them have any money, right? <laughs> but they're finding a lot of money to go out and eat at higher priced fast casual restaurants than the lower price say you know value chains like like McDonald's. But so there's an interesting economic dynamic at play there. But I'm not really sure if it's really saying anything about you know the outperformance of those IPOs versus the tech IPOs.
1: Thanks very much for the whole year, Mr. O'Hare. Take a little time off, spend it with your family. Happy New Year to you. Your content is invaluable. People can read your content at briefing.com. I start my day off every day uh, with his page one article. You can find it at briefing.com. It's just, um, you know, here's what happened in the world yesterday and today. And what we expect things to play out as the afternoon unfolds. Um, as he said, and, you know, I got a little excited when he said that he's putting together a year in review, believe it or not, I know most of you think sexy is going to, you know, Whistler and skiing for the holidays. To me, sexy is reading annual reports, quarterly reviews, S filings, uh, how things went for companies, how the market, what to expect going forward. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find him at briefing.com. You can find me at robblack.com. I always have an event coming up. Check out the event schedule at robblack.com. We
0: were the challenges of...
1: I'm black, talking all things financial money, investing in more. Ads for Ford's new F-150 are pitching its toughness before its fuel economy. They replaced a lot of steel with aluminum. Aluminum's just as strong as steel, I'm told. Sounds kind of weird, though, right? Ford unleashes an ad blitz for its new F-150 during college football bowl games. Um, coming up. And, uh, you know, starting tomorrow, all the big bowl games start rolling out. Ford's working on a television commercial that touts the, you know, model F-150's five percent to twenty-nine percent fuel economy improvements, but they also want to pitch tough. Ford's 150, F-150 is the biggest money maker and top seller for them. Uh, there's eight to ten thousand dollars in gross profit in those trucks. Elsewhere out there, housing cost for renters rose by twenty billion this year. So you keep hearing statistics about, you know, gasoline drops a dollar per gallon. That's going to save the average family $900 to $1,000 a year. That'll go back in the economy. Unemployment, not unemployment, excuse me. Uh, Wages in 21 states, minimum wage is going up uh, pretty much so across the board starting at the beginning of the year. So it's going to lift 2.4 million workers up a dollar. So just figure that out. 2.4 million times one dollar times 40 hours a week, and you can see how it stimulates the economy. But on the negative side, housing costs for renters rose by $20 billion this year. U.S. renters paid $441 billion for apartments and houses, a $20.6 billion increase. Holy mother of light bulbs. Um, Are you kidding me? $20 billion increase on a year-over-year basis? Fewer Americans owned their homes, and landlords with tight inventories raised uh, charges. So the number of rental households grew by 2%, or 770,000 more. The number of rental residences expanded to about 3.4 million renters in the United States, with tenants spending a total of $50 billion plus for shelter. Um, demand for rentals has grown after Americans after owners of more than 5 million U.S. homes went through foreclosure since 2007. What's also worthy of note on that same exact premise is real estate prices are starting to slow, and that's a good thing. I know, you're saying, what the hell have you been smoking today? How is real estate prices slowing a good thing? First and foremost, you can't be, you can't outpace inflation. You want home prices to go up with, you know, wage increases. And we all hear the stories that there's not a lot of wage increases. But home prices continue to slow in the month of October. Some markets aren't. You know, Miami and San Francisco, which are luxury markets, up 9.5%. That's pretty aggressive. Las Vegas saw a decline. So, um, and then prices rose, you know, okay for Tampa and Denver. What's interesting to note about why a slower increase in prices, it kind of is... If you're running up if you take if you're walking up steps, and you're taking two steps at a time, you can lose your balance, slip and you know knock your chin. If you're taking baby steps, you tend not to lose your balance, and you tend not to get ahead of yourself so, uh, so for the renters out there, for the people who are struggling to get by, a pause in real estate prices should allow more buyers to come into the market if wages and jobs continue to improve. And that should take a little bit away from renters' Uh, cost, as you know, the landlord will have less sway. Oil slips to its lowest level since 2009. That's telling you something. Uh, Supply and demand, out of whack, Um, you're not going to really see the true concessions from corporations in what the oil prices mean to them until the first quarter. So, first quarter will end, you know, uh, March. So, we won't really start seeing companies say, okay, we're going to have to cut supply. This is unacceptable, until about April. It's been a precipitous fast drop. Um, And there's too much supply. And there's enough hedges out there that the supply will stay there for a while. Demand's going to take a while to come back. You don't automatically, like, look at the United States. Our Federal Reserve so badly wants the economy working and they've been cutting interest rates for, you know, since 2001, we've been in a surprisingly, incredibly low interest rate environment. Uh, That's a long time. And just because you lower the cost of money, you don't necessarily increase demand. I've gotten to the age where I don't like being a consumer anymore. So uh, it's not that I like saving. It's that I just don't like consuming. I see so much waste in consumption. Anyway. Apple activated 51% of all new device activations worldwide during Christmas week. That's monstrous. Um, oh, the thing I wanted to rail against is I recently heard a commercial, it, it, kind of in the middle of the night, where it said, "Do you want to get cash from your car? Do you have equity in an old car that's paid off? You got to be careful. You know, getting a thousand dollars tells me that you're poor. If you need thousand dollars to make ends meet, it's tell- you're struggling." So that's what they're going to give you, but they're also going to charge you 171% annual interest rate. So within two years, your $1,000 that you just borrowed is $992. It's, it's insane. It's how much it costs. I wish some subprime lending, things that we did for letting people buy homes that shouldn't have bought homes, is almost criminal. I think that the subprime lending in cars, like this case, where you can get equity out of your house, is, should be criminal. I think payday loans should be criminal. I know, for some people, payday loans save their lives. But at the you know interest rate of 171%, it's tough to win. I've got a big event coming up in the middle of the month. It's a Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning event. It's in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. It's a Thursday evening. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.